Good morning. Joy Sunday. That's a good day. That's a good day. We're in our Advent series, and this is week number three. So we have uh, we've done hope, and uh, Ernest talked about hope there a couple weeks ago, and then last week we looked at peace, and today joy, and uh, we're looking at that text that we read earlier. So Romans chapter 15, if you want to turn there, and we'll be going from verses 4 down to 13. Um, We're actually going to start at the end, at verse 13, and kind of go backwards a little bit. (laughs) We'll see here. But this is really going to be our, our theme verse. Theme verse. And uh, I'll just read it here. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, this is kind of, this is a prayer from Paul, and it really summarizes the whole passage that we're going to look at this morning. This is his summary, and this is what he's made, made, made the God of hope, and this is his prayer, his desire. And so this really kind of summarizes it. Um, but you look at that, and, and, and this morning we're going to look at more than just joy. It, it's really going to touch on hope is going to become really foundational, we'll see here, and peace. And later on, we're going to see love brought in. And all those themes of Advent are all kind of, are, they're all kind of together this morning in this passage, we'll see. But this passage here, we see here, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So here we have God's desire for us is to fill us with joy and peace. Joy this week, peace last week. But it's built on hope. A God of hope, and so built on that hope, we, God wants to give us joy and peace. But then, so that we can have an overflow of hope. What does that mean? And we got joy and peace built on hope, but then producing an overflow of hope. Huh. And uh, I think that's what I wanted just, to, just us to really look at this morning, take some time to really dig into that. And then we'll go back to start at verse 4, and I think then it's going to make a lot more sense if we can kind of get this picture. What is this hope? How is it that hope produces then joy and peace? But then how does that then produce overflowing hope? What is that all about? And so as, we were, as I was thinking about that and studying for that, um, Romans is one letter, right, that Paul wrote. And so often, if you're reading your Bible and you're studying, if, if especially in letters, if you're looking to kind of understand something, look throughout the, look where it's referenced other places in the letter, because Paul would have used the same idea of hope through the whole thing, right, when he's communicating it. Makes sense? So, so I was looking back, and there's a couple places in Romans that he talks about this hope. How is it that this peace and joy are built on hope? And so if you'd actually turn back to Romans chapter 8, starting at, at verse 22 is where we'll be starting. And so looking at what is this hope, this foundation of hope. Romans chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So that's just the way, way Paul's describing as Christians. Is when you become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit, right? So the first believers receive the Holy Spirit. So we have the first fruits of the Spirit. But we still groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. And so this section here, chapter 8, what Paul's talking about, and you could go back and read it um, sometime this week, but what he's talking about, he's talking about really sin's effect on the world and how just sin had, had broken all of creation, was fractured by that first sin in the garden. And so he talks about how creation, the verses prior, 20 and 21, talk about creation being frustrated, that they're in a bondage to decay, it says. And so you have, you have this, and then it goes into us. We also, as humans, we experience that same. Our bodies break down, you know, as we get older. Anybody experience that? Anybody body breaking down? And I know a lot of you consider me young, but I'm just getting to that age where I can hurt myself rolling out of bed. And I've heard that, and now I, I know what you mean. It's like, I got to go a little slower now. It's not good. But, uh, but we know this. We're, we're trapped in that same bondage decay, but we have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? We, we, so, so that's kind of what we were talking about last week, right? Where we have, we kind of live in this tension where what we celebrate at the first advent, where Jesus came, he came and he brought salvation, he conquered sin, he conquered death, and, and, and so we, that's already been paid for, but yet we still live in this life, right? And so we still have this, we still live in a world broken by sin, we still live in our physical bodies are breaking down, and also spiritually we have to resist temptation. It's not, it's not just all of a sudden I'm saved, I never have to struggle again with sin. We have to fight against it, war against it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the life that we live in. And so that's really what it's talking about. You ever just does your spirit ever groan? Like, I can't wait for that day when we'll have the redemption of our bodies, when we'll have the adoption of sonship fully. So that's the spiritual and physical element, right? And so that's what we're talking about here. And then it says, for in this hope, we were saved. So you get that picture? And then, for in this hope, we were saved. How, what's that? How's, how is it that we were saved in that hope? What is that kind of talking about? It, well, I think if we look back to when was it, how is it that we came to that point of salvation? What was it that brought us to that point of salvation? Wasn't it, wasn't it the experience of living in a broken world that kind of brought us to that? That, that when we encountered that, whether it was on the physical side, the, the, the painful things that we go through in life, maybe just realizing that we don't have control over sickness that happens to us. We don't have control over our life. We, don't, we can't stop ourselves aging, you know? That bondage to decay that... We, when maybe that was part of your journey that kind of made you start to ask some of those questions and look to, there's got to be something more. I can't save myself. Or spiritually, right? Emotionally, spiritually, where we, we, we are searching for something and we, maybe you tried everything the world had to offer and it never didn't satisfy. And so you needed, you realized you couldn't do it yourself. And so you needed someone to come, a savior, to bring what you couldn't bring, a greater purpose. That's what it is. And so that's what this is getting at. This hope that we were saved, it was a hope for something greater than this broken world. There's got to be something more. There's got to be more meaning. And that's what led us. It was that hope for something more that led us to find, ask those big questions in life, to find Jesus, to realize that we are separated from God, and find the hope of realizing we can't save ourselves. 
and, and have a hope in a Savior, right? That's what led us to that point. And then we find Jesus, we hear the gospel, we hear of a Savior who took that separation on himself and gives us his righteousness, and we find that eternal life. That was that hope, and now we have hope for eternal life, the second advent. And so this, this first advent, looking back, this is what the Israelites This is what they were looking forward to. It was that first salvation, right? They had a hope for a savior. That's what we look back on now, but that was their their hope that brought them salvation, if you will, right? That's how it was for them. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, or some translations say the savior, right? The Lord. And so that was for them. For us, we look back on that moment of when we were saved, and, and that's the foundation. That hope of a Savior was the, our foundation of our faith. And then we look forward now for us. We're, our Advent is looking forward to the second coming. And so if we go back to our, our verse 13 there, I think this is starting to make sense. Back in fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Right? So you're starting to see that? So it's because the God of hope is because he's a God of salvation. He's the one who brought us hope, right? So that's why he's the God of hope. He's the one that brought us that hope of salvation, and that's the foundation for joy and peace. We can have joy and peace because of our salvation, right? We can have joy and peace because of our salvation, and that's despite circumstances. And, in, and then because of eternal life, that promise, we can have joy and peace no matter what the circumstances are. So there we go. We've got the, we all got the first part of the verse. All right. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, so that joy and peace is built on that hope, that salvation. But then what about this second part? How do we, how do we get to that point of, how does it then fill us until we're overflowing with hope? Well, one other place in Romans, if you turn back to Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And we're going to see kind of that same idea of salvation for in verses 1 and 2 here. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's that peace, right? Um, and I left 5, 15, 13 on the top, so we can kind of keep going back and forth there. You can see the correlation. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. So there's that peace. Jesus brought us peace with God right? Took away the sin that separated. Through him, we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. We're, is, we're saved through Jesus, and we rejoice. There's the joy, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we, we have joy because of the eternal hope that that's that eternal life that he's offered us that nothing can take away, all right? So that's how, again, joy and peace are built on hope. But now, in verse 3, we're going to see that's not all. That's not all. That's not the only way that hope, that we receive hope. Verse 3 and 4. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Ah. So we have this, this overarching peace and joy that's given to us at salvation. It's, it's, it's foundational to our Christian lives. But then we still have to live out this Christian life in this broken world, 
And we still experience sufferings or trials, some temptations will say. Anybody attest that they ever encountered a trial of some kind? Every hand should be up or you're lying, right? Maybe unless you're really young. <laughs> but yes, we, we encourage this. And, and I think we could probably all testify to this. This suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance character, or that word could be translated strong character, right? The, the good character. Isn't that our experience? Has, has anybody else found that is in the trials, in the difficulties, that your faith grows the most? Right? It's in those things that God teaches us. And that character, that growth, then produces hope. How does that produce hope? Well, it, it goes back to that, that as we go through those difficulties, as our, fair, our character, as our faith is strengthened, doesn't it make our hearts drawn more to that day when there will be no more pain and there will be no more tears? It's often felt the most when we're going through the difficulties, isn't it? That's when we have to have perseverance and trust is, is during those times. But there's more. There's even more. So there's the foundation. There's the foundation of hope is a salvation. Hope is, an e- is, is eternal life, giving us those foundations. But I just love these next two verses because there's more. Verse 5, or yeah, sorry, just one more verse. Verse 5, and hope does not put us to shame, or some translations say will not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Think of that imagery. We're, we're talking about, we're trying to figure out this overflowing hope. You kind of get the same imagery. God's love being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And this, this is where hope and peace and joy are. It's more than it, it's more than just that that we have at salvation. There's something supernatural to it, isn't there? That as we go through this life, not only do we have that sure hope, that sure peace, those foundational pieces, but the Holy Spirit pours out a supernatural peace, a supernatural joy, a supernatural love into our lives. And, and, and this is what overflows. This is what's supposed to come out of us. Okay, and so as I was studying this, just looking at, thinking of some of those verses, first on peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 7. Right? So there's that peace. This is that peace that, that doesn't even make sense. Right? It doesn't make sense in the light of trials and the difficulties. And you think, how does it make sense to have a peace? Your life is chaos all around you. And yet God gives us this peace that it, it doesn't even make sense to our human minds. You guys know what I'm talking about? Am I ta- yeah? Yeah. I was uh, talking to somebody from me. Yeah, I didn't ask them if I could use them as an illustration, so I won't say their name. But, but accounting just in a tragic accident and laying in a puddle, as they said, and just describing the overwhelming peace of God that came over them. That doesn't make sense unless it's, it, but it's this. It's that supernatural peace that the Holy Spirit gives us in those moments. What about joy from 1 Peter 1.8? You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. An inexpressible joy. Anybody testify to that? 
right? I, I think of, of people who have battled with things, chronic things, for a long time, and it's like, how can they be happy? How can they be that joyful? That can only come from God, right? He gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us this inexpressible joy despite the circumstances. Or love, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. I just love that. Know this that surpasses knowledge. It, it's the, it doesn't make any sense except that we can probably... Can anybody testify to that one? Have you ever felt God's love just overwhelm you, just pour over you, and you just can't... In, in a time when it doesn't make sense on a human biological side, emotional side, and yet God just wraps his arms around you? Amen. See, this is what that's talking about back in 1513. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. There's the foundational piece. But so that you may overflow with hope and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you could add in peace and joy and love. Those things, these Advent themes are the things that should flow out of us because because God is pouring it into us. And that's what we've been talking about during this Advent series, right? Is that is that these, these Advent themes, we, as Christians, we come into the Christmas season, and what an opportunity we have to share what Christmas is. But it's more than just our words. We should be showing by our lives the truth of Christmas. The peace and the joy and the love and the hope of Jesus should flow out of us. It should be overflowing as we go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this week. It should just be overflowing us into the lives of the people around us. Amen? Amen. And so that's what that, that, uh, that verse 13 is really, really, uh, really saying. And that's what the whole passage is, uh, is talking about. And so now we can get, get on with the sermon for this morning. So <laughs> Romans, <laughs> Romans, Romans, it'll go quick, don't worry. Romans chapter 15, back to chapter 15. We needed to have that lens. You have to have that lens of the foundation that salvation and eternal life, the hope for eternal life gives us. And, but you have to have that. Remember that it's the Holy Spirit pouring out these things, these supernatural, not man-made things, pouring it into our lives that pours out in order to understand verses 4 and on. So back to our passage, um, Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 4. That's chapter 8. 15. Starting at verse 4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So that's, that's just what we were just talking about with the whole, that foundational salvation piece, right? Here we are post-Christmas, our, this Advent season, we look back to when Jesus came, the history, right? We look back in the scriptures and we see the history of salvation, what Jesus brought, and it gives us encouragement and hope, doesn't it? For this life today. All right. Carrying on, verse 5, 6, 7. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. 
And so it makes sense, doesn't it, that now that we have, if we have the Holy Spirit pouring his love and joy and peace in us until it's overflowing, doesn't it make sense then that there'd be unity and love among us? Right? And he gives this example of Jesus, which is the rest of the, the next few verses is going to be going to that deeper. But that's the idea. It just makes sense that if we have this love and joy and peace in us, it should overflow to us as a church family, as a community, as we share that with one another. And that, that's important because it says it's by that that we glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 6, and bring praise to God, verse 7. So it's, it's through that the world's watching. And when they witness that peace and joy and love among us, it draws them to God. What we were talking about last week. That's how it goes about. And uh, if, if anybody, for those of you who were here last night, um, that's, what a picture of that, right? It was just such an amazing time. If you, you felt this tangibly, the love and joy and peace of God, just in that time together yesterday, last night, was so awesome. If anybody who, who didn't know God was there, I'm sure they would have felt that being in that midst. And uh, it's just so wonderful. The, thanks again to everybody to serve, like everybody who served and put it all on and did all the work of that. And then, and then everybody cleaning up. I tell you, it warms a pastor's heart to see everybody just jump in and... and uh, I know the CYF team was planning to be here till midnight, and I think they're out before 10. So thanks for all many hands make light work. And what a testament to this, to this love and joy among one another. It's wonderful. And then this, this example, these here, it says, the example of Jesus uses Jesus the example. And that's what these next verses are going to go into. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. And so Paul points to Jesus as the example of this. Jesus fulfilled the word of God, fulfilled all the Old Testament promises, and the Christmas day we know how he came and fulfilled all those, those things, and that's a testament to God's mercy and to his keeping his promises. But... What Paul's going to go into now is he's going to use a whole bunch of these next verses or a whole bunch of Old Testament references where he's showing that God's plan was always that, that God's mercy and love would be poured out for all people, the Gentiles. That's the rest of us, right? And that it was always God's plan. And that Jesus revealed that God's plan was not just for the Jews, but for everybody. And so verse, or the end of verse 9 there, As it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. And that's cited from Psalm 1849. And so there we have, and it kind of builds as we go through these next four references from the Old Testament. So the first one is that just that the, God's, the, the praise of God will, will, will be among the Gentiles. Basically, the gospel will go forth. Somehow, it made it all the way to us here 2,000 years later in a continent across the world, right? The gospel made it to us. That's what it's talking about. The gospel's going to go out and make it to all the Gentiles. And then, verse 10, again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And so then there's going to be, that's us. We're now rejoicing with God's people. We've joined in. We've, we've found salvation. And we've joined with Jesus and his people as part of his bride, his church. And then verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, let all the peoples extol him. 
And so now we have just that picture of we're all together. Now there's no more division. We're all one and we're all worshiping God together. And that's the global church, the body of Christ. Amen. And then verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up. That's Jesus. One who will rise to rule over the nations and in him the Gentiles will hope. And that's looking to the future. That's looking to that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And so it comes all the way to the end. All of that that Jesus brought. And Jesus is our example. And so if we think again about our, our main verse here, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That's that salvation piece. That's the foundation that it's all built on. Without that, you can't have the joy and the peace and the love of God flowing through you. Okay, that salvation piece has to happen first. And so if you don't know Jesus personally as your Savior, this Christmas season, that's what, that's for you. That's the gift God gave for you. And he's uh, asking that you would come and you would be able, if you've been searching for inner peace, if you've been searching for that joy that is inexpressible, if you've been searching for that love that goes beyond knowledge, you just know there's something missing in your heart. Jesus brought you that on Christmas. That was the start of that. And his death and resurrection brings you um, relationship with God. And so seek after him, talk to somebody that you know has a relationship with Jesus. They'd love to talk to you about him. And then for those of us as Christians, so that you may overflow with hope and joy and peace and love by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's God's desire through us, that he would pour that into us, that it would overflow to the people around us for his glory. And so let's be doers of the word this week. Okay, and just one simple one. How can you demonstrate the truth of hope, peace, joy, and love with someone this week? Can you demonstrate that? That means it might be with words. It might not be with words. It might be with actions, right? But that, that peace and joy and love that God pours into us, who can you share that with this week? By how you interact with them, by reaching out, and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Seek after him. He wants to pour this out in you. He wants, he got, Jesus chose to work through us, the church. I'm always amazed by that. You know, God could just write it in the sky. He didn't need us, really, right? And yet Jesus chose that the gospel would go forth by his church, us. That was God's design, and that's amazing. And so let's be that. So I'll just give you a minute. I want you to think of your interactions this week. Um, who you might come in contact with, who needs, maybe there's someone you know that needs hope, that you can share the hope of Jesus with. Maybe there's someone that needs peace. Their life has conflict or something in it. How can you bring peace? Maybe there's someone that's down and they need the joy of Christ. And you can, how can you bring some of that joy and let it flow out of you and into their life? Or someone needs love. Love's the thing that binds it all together. Remember, we talked in our Colossians series. And so, ask the Holy Spirit to show you somebody this week and uh, that you can pour yourself out into. I'll give you just a minute and then we'll pray.
Lord, we can't help but praise you for how good you are and all the blessings that we have in our life, Lord. Even when things are difficult, even when we go through the trials, and there's been some this week, Lord, and the suffering, Lord, the, the sure hope that we have of eternal life, guaranteed with our salvation because of what you did, Jesus. Nothing can take that away. Nothing can separate us from your love, God, and we thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us opportunities this week to share your peace and your joy and your love with someone this week, this Christmas season. Give us those, open those doors, we pray. Let it flow out of us and to those around us. Help us to be your hands and your feet for the work that you want to do um, in, our, in our relationships, in our homes, in our communities, where you've put us, God. And we give you all the praise for all that you do in us and through us. In Jesus' name.